Hey guys, this is Jeff. Um, this is, uh, I guess, a special edition podcast. Justin showed up, and he's only here for about a day and a half, and um, we turned on some mics about ten minutes after he walked in the door and just sort of recorded he and Roman and I for the hour and fifteen minutes that we got to catch up. And we figured you guys might like to hear that. There's not a lot of comic talk in here except for doomsday clock which gets a good good bit um mostly uh mostly justin and roman and i um sharing a lot of uh, very romantic thoughts um so yeah i hope that you guys dig it i hope that you are uh interested in listening to it i hope that you guys got to see justin while he was here um I guess that's all I've got for you. I hope that you guys like this, albeit a bit schmaltzy, um, uh, moment where the three of us got to hang out again. Um, all right, enjoy it. See ya. So Justin, what is your like? What's the what's the what's your big takeaway? What have you learned? Nothing. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess what I tell people when they ask me why the fuck did you do what you did, <laughs> and I the thing that I try to tell myself when I ask that myself, which is almost every night, is that yeah, I've learned that things that you do and the things that you want aren't they're only meaningful in relation to the people you can share them with and. I now only have one person that I can share it with, which is Josh, and he's a great guy. But it it truly is about the people that you know and the people that you're around. So not having Aaron and not having my close, close buddies has completely wrecked me. And like like I said, I've been working, like philosophically inspired, kind of uh, learning about myself, kind of doing all the on-paper bullet point things you think you're supposed to do to be happy or that I told <laughs> myself that I needed to do to work through and in some way, it does feel therapeutic and like I'm kind of making sense out of my jumbled head. But I've also learned that it's just my head that is always going to be that way. And nothing, like none of that means anything if you can't share it with people. And the know? people in your life love that jumbled mess. Head yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is also <laughs> more than you could yeah. have ever known. But and I hope that <laughs> I hope that at least, yeah, you leaving in some regard has has opened your eyes to the outpouring of love it and has. affection there is for you here it really has never really been like that in my life before so it's been kind of crazy it's been weird to think i don't know i am someone who hates myself so much yeah. and so to see people like legitimately like me there's like my weird suspicious not trusting of it but then there's also like this like incredible you never know the depths of the being until you know the people that you love you know like you there is always this invisible safety pillow you can fall back on you know like i'm gonna fuck up i'm gonna fuck up real bad but i have people that love me and that is crazy it's yeah. crazy to think about um yeah i have such a hard time believing that people give a shit about me you know and mm-hmm. as well i think i think we all do like that's yeah. just the thing about people yeah. in life that sucks is it's really really hard to understand how appreciated 
you are. And you don't want to. You don't want to believe it. There's some bullshit like I need to deserve it thing. Yeah. yeah. And isn't yeah. love about like it's unconditional? Like you're born with it. You have it. You always have it. It's you know you don't have to earn love, but you feel in yourself like you need. And for me, it was like these crazy neurotic things, and they still are. Like oh, this yeah. list. You know, I think it's really telling if you ever see someone's cell phone, like their own notes to themselves uh -huh. or their diary. It's always these like horribly mean things to themselves. Like I need to diet. I need to lose weight. I need to be this. I need to be this idealized. Like if that's like, it looks like a death threat to yourself, you know? <laughs> I remember like, yeah. Um, and I've probably mentioned it before, but in my abnormal psychology class at Western at one point, uh, the professor, like I was talking to him after class and he had said like, the crux of it was just sort of like, yeah, would you let a stranger or friend follow you around and say to you the things that you say to yourself? And I was just like, oh, like at some point I then started hearing in my head, like, what if that, like that voice isn't me? Like that's me attacking myself. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, just, it's just so bizarre. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. a good exercise. Yeah. So like you, Roman or Jeff or Justin, you are a, a person and you're also a person, you have to treat yourself as, and it comes back to that dumb cliche, like treat yourself how you want to be treated. Yeah. But every cliche came from, like, if you want to talk about the perennial worldview or philosophy, it's cliches. Like, yeah. it's the, that they exist and For have reason. reason. Yeah. And I, I had a moment in not saying, like, oh, I've reached anything because I still treat myself like shit. But, like, you have to treat yourself as yourself and as another. Like you have to, you're in a relationship, you're in an intimate romantic relationship with the being that you are. Uh -huh. And if you don't treat that person like with someone with respect and dignity, then you're going to ruin your own life. Like you have to treat yourself as another, as well as yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you're not kind to that person, like you would be your best friend, like, you know, Jeff is to me. If you don't treat Jeff like you would your close friend, then you're never going to be happy. And it's the hardest fucking thing to do because you don't want you feel like you need to deserve it or you you feel like right. you're going to be vain or if you're yeah if you're doing it too much then you're you know delusional or yeah something. if you're too nice to yourself i remember for me like the way that that happened is like a lot of the important things that have happened in my life they've been sort of like visual images that'll come into my head when i'm thinking or feeling a thing uh and i remember right where i was one day i was just driving and i was just like so depressed and sad it was like two years ago or something um and, and I was just like, man, I feel so shitty. And I was like, just doing whatever thing happens in your head that way. And a vision came into my head, like just an image of, of me sitting down on like the side of the ground, just like clearly depressed. And then another me who looked like the, the, that robot from big six, big hero six, the big yeah. white one. <laughs> but I don't know why that, but, and it was just me. And like that was me, and I had my hand on my back of the sad one, and and it was just like I couldn't really put it to words, but it came to me as a vision, which was just like, you're like you're a lot of things. You can be sad, but you can also be there for yourself. Yeah, and like you can be there, and and when you're sad, you're the only one that is there for you mm. in a lot of ways, and like you've got to just care about yourself. Like you got to be the big smiling, weird blob next to yourself when you're feeling really horrible. And yeah, I don't know. That's yeah, wisdom, man. You're yeah. You gotta like. There's this like polite fiction that yourself is one thing. There's this constant thing, and we all 
in order to like live and to work with each other have to kind of all swallow this like polite fiction of like, oh, Roman is consistently Roman through and through. When he goes home, he's the same Roman. Uh And Jeff is the same Jeff and Justin's the same Justin. But we're like this incredible biome of different experiences and different selves, you know. And sometimes I see people using you as an example in the store sometimes they're thrown off by jeff not being this like ambulite of just positivity like when they see you in a bad mood it throws them off it's like well he's an he is an entire life's worth of experiences that led him to be that guy at that moment why would that ever be one thing like why why isn't he not sad like yeah so you have to kind of treat yourself in a way that's like okay you i don't know you have to nourish the other part of yourself which is like you have to learn how to be nice to yourself and we're told that that that's something you should just be born with, but it's a learning process. Like learning how to relate to other people is really emphasized, but it's not very emphasized to like, no, you, you have to like work with it with yourself and understand. I don't know. And it is an unconditional love thing, but, and you feel like you have to earn it. It's, I don't know. It's paradoxical. So I guess it's it's almost like you have to, we always put so much emphasis in, and it's valuable, of course, you have to learn how to be, you know, socialized with other people when you're a kid, but there's no importance or even acknowledgement that, you know, you kind of have to learn to be socialized in yourself, yeah. with yourself. And that's, I mean, why I have such an obsession with mythology and stuff is, like, you're understanding this huge, the difference between you and the world, there isn't one. It's a hallucination you know you this wall between you and everything else is a hallucination so like seeing other people's personalities i don't know if there is as much as a projection is like between you and that person doesn't end and you like to think yourself as this closed off thing but it's not you're more of a a wavelength than you are a closed being so like learning how to interact with other people is also learning how to interact with yourself. If there is no division, then you have mm-hmm. to treat yourself nicely. Otherwise you're not going to be nice to other people. Yeah. And that is incredible because I think for us, it's so easy. And especially in the comic book in like the, just a customer service industry, you're supposed to be nice to everyone else, but then you're not that you don't, you don't apply that to yourself. So no, you, in fact, your job is to be walked on so that you can <laughs> yeah. be nice to everybody else. Um, the episode of the flash that I watched last night, it was like two episodes ago or something is that moment. It's like Harrison Wells, Tom Cavanaugh mm-hmm. finds a bunch of parallel universe versions of himself to solve this problem. And, uh, and he just hates all of them. And then Barry's sort of like, dude, well you hate yourself. And maybe the way that you could, not hate yourself so much is by learning to be patient with these other versions of yourself that are the same problems that you see in your it, just echoing that that same idea I was watching it last night and I, I'm and I also just want to touch on like man w- with all of that uh, thoughts and feelings and emotions like it all it comes into you and I, I, I think you and I are just two people that I know of and I, particularly but I think everyone's experience is the same but um, you can think and feel everything and you don't have you don't have ownership over your thoughts you have ownership over your actions so just because something occurs to you or you think something or you're afraid of something you know like anxiety or whatnot like just because a thing comes into your brain like you're a prism for every thought and every experience a human being can have so like don't i don't know don't like for me you know a thought can come in and like a kidney stone i'm just like oh my god what did i just think is that okay is that bad and and just especially you know, in the last month that we've had in the comic industry and the world at large, you know, I, I think that uh, it's easy to 
you know, be scared that maybe you're one of the bad guys. Uh, uh, that's my biggest fear. Right. And it's just just because you think something, there's a difference between thinking something and acting on something. And you can, yeah. yeah, a thought arises. Your voice is in a choir, not a solid state. You know, the individual and the collective are only relational tools to speak about things. They're linguistic mistakes. Yeah. But, like, you are everything all the time going on. And you, it's it, it's you who decides what is and what isn't. And what you can you focus on. Yeah, and you can let do. that thing go. And that's been the heart. Like I, a sufferer from OCD, things get stuck. Yeah. You know, things spin around. But it's me who chooses, and it, it's hard to believe it. But it is a choice on what you get stuck on. Mm-hmm. You know, and it becomes habitual, and eventually, you know, you you stick to those things without really noticing it but it ultimately to remind yourself that you have more agency and you can be like no this thought is the same as every mundane tiny thought i can breathe through this yep like, and it will go on and you can bleed back into things uh yeah my partner my partner and my, my both my partners in uh in dealing with neuroses, anxiety, and depression, you too. So it's <laughs> wonderful. To, uh, you guys are for me too. Yeah, to, <laughs> nothing ever reminds me that I'm not alone, like talking to you guys. I know. So, Justin, mm-hmm. you're over on Spokane. No, I'm in to Spokane. everyone. By the way, uh, <laughs> J- Jeff Figley here. Oh, yeah, Roman Statler. Justin. <laughs> um, so, we run a comic book shop. You run a comic book shop. Your spirit is always here, always felt, always talked about every single day. Um, Keeps on popping out behind me on shelves, and pushing the books off on my shoulders. <laughs> what the hell? Oh, Where are the boxes? Oh, the spiritual garden. Um, what? Tape get over here? What's happened with you and comic books over there? So you don't get to read as many comic books. What have you learned anything, or realized anything, or yeah. been reminded of anything? Like what? What is it like to go from not being able to read all the comics in the world to get to read all the comics in the world to then go and not get to read all the comics in the world? Um, well, I think. Uh, before I moved, and it, it ebbed and flowed like all things, but I was, as you know, trying to force myself to be a writer of comics and to be comics because it was the thing that made me most happy when I was real sad. And so I was trying to like be the thing that I liked, which I've learned isn't always the best. Right? <laughs> but like I was trying to put myself into something that the beauty of it was it wasn't myself. It wasn't me. Mm-hmm. I went to comics because it wasn't my ego. It wasn't my complete addiction to my own internal world. You know, it was outside. It was a breath of fresh air, and I was trying to put me in that thing. So I was becoming so cynical, and like you do if you hate yourself and you relate to things in that way, you end up hating it. And I was having, like, this incredible burnout of comic books. Mm-hmm. I slowly convinced myself that I hated comic books, that I hated art. You know, maybe I was a fake. I was a phony because I didn't, I couldn't do it. Oh, yeah, you and know? I have done the same thing with music for myself, you know, I... Can, you can just become cynical and you're like, no, I don't, I don't like that shit anymore. Yeah. But that's, that's a fallacy. Right yeah, there. for sure. So stepping away, um, and also realizing that a huge part of what comics were, were also the shop and the people interacting and talking to them is as comics diminished. And I was able, like a thought to let go of my ego attachment to a comic book. Like I just like, realize that i don't really want to professionally work with comics it's best for me when it is something that's smaller Mm -hmm. it's like this tiny beautiful and i the day you brought me those comics i didn't read them right away and there was a day coming home just like completely aaron was really sad my my girlfriend um i was really sad 
I kind of talked to my dad like I made this horrible decision to move over. And, of course, he gives, gave me dad advice, which is like you have to own your responsibility. You have to own your decisions and stick through your, your decisions. But when someone is, like, trying to press that panic button, that's not what you want. You don't yeah. want to hear the advice you truly need, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, but I was complete, like, decimated emotionally. And I found those comics you left me. I pulled them out of my drawer and I read them all in one sitting. Mm. And that was, like, an emotional high. I was a kid again. Or I was, you know... 19 year old justin or 20 year old justin who in a lot of ways was also a kid again it was a new a new pool to swim in so i've learned that comics are incredibly valuable to me they in my view is my immunal response to depression mm-hmm. like it's it's an antidepressant for me and would you just like eat your prescription medication <laughs> would you try to become your own <laughs> bottle of like yeah i this helps me so, yeah <laughs> this uh Wellbutrin is so good. It helps me out so much. I want to be Wellbutrin. Mm-hmm. I want to create. I want. That's what I want my job to be is someone who makes Wellbutrin. No, that's not yeah. how you would have a relationship with it. But it's, it's and, it, that, and it, it, it it works for some people, but not for me. It's that protagonist syndrome that yeah. I suffer from. I think a little bit more than you, but we both have it. You yeah, know? it's it's this idea of like, you know, I want I want to master the thing that I love. Yeah, and sometimes the things that you love is because it's not in your school. Yeah. You know? And I've learned that I have other skill sets and other things that I want to do that comic books kind of can match up in a weird way, but it's like fitting a square into a circle hole, you know? Uh, But comic books, like I have never in my life loved comics as much as I do now because it is something that like when I'm tired of myself, when I'm tired of doing the things that I want to do and the like, oh, I need to fucking read all these books or (laughs) I need to, you know, I need to be this like person that I think that I am or I need to... I need to really relax. God damn it, I need to relax. I yeah. need to sit here and focus oh, I'm gonna on that. I'm going to watch this yeah, thing yeah. that I know I enjoy, so I'm going to put all this energy into enjoying it. Yeah, it, comic books is complete, effortless, relaxing fun. Like, uh, Batman White Knight was something that just, like, there was no expectations. I wasn't using, like, the critical writer's eye that I try to have. I wasn't mm-hmm. an, analyzing anything. I was loving the world that I was in. You know why? Because it was not mine. It wasn't something that I had to be responsible for. And, I mean, I'm so fucking solipsistic, but, like, an escape from a, de- a breath from yourself is so nice. And that's why I love comics is – and escapism has such a bad connotation to it, I think. Like, it's like, well, you can't handle reality, so you have to go jump into these other world, be a child. No, my escape- best buddy Danny did it show me that, like, no, everybody needs to escape from something sometimes. The world is too big. It's yeah. too cold. It's yeah. too Complex. hard. Yeah, and, and relationships are, you know, a great example of that. Like, that's why it's so important to be in a relationship. I, I feel like I have to be this high-functioning adult, and I shouldn't be in a relationship until I can do everything alone. But that's then why do you need a relationship at yeah. that point? Like, and, and, and no. It's, yeah. yeah. It's a refuge. And so, like, yeah, like I said, I don't know if... Con- it's got a new meaning. It's got that new car smell, but it's still the best thing in my life. Like, it's And it's not the thing that I want to do with my life because that becomes work. But comic books, God, it took me forever to track down that issue of Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. But I got it, and that was the best, the highlight of my week. Like, and that issue of Wildstorm. Yeah. Uh, seven, I think. Yeah, the one before this one. Yeah. yeah. I have not. So it was like I was on a. What you hear about from like psychi- psychedelic heads. Like <laughs> I was on this emotional trip. It was a high. I was like, yay. 
because it was that tiny moment that I carved out for myself. So comic, I've learned that comic books, in the thousands of horrible ways that you can relate to something, it's been consistently my antidepressant, and that's how I treat it. Well, now. it's a journey. It's it's yeah. all things at once. It's everything mm-hmm. you can feel. This is a little inside baseball since we're not. It's not Wednesday night. We're not talking about weekly books and stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, like I like as you guys know, like music was what I wanted to do with my life, and I loved it. And and. And I got to a point with music, kind of like what you're talking about, and and comics became a refuge for me. Um, but I've noticed, like, in the last, like, month and a half, or, like, two months, I've been able to finally, like, because it all, everything is a big journey, but in the last two months, I've really uh, been able to be rereading comic books, or reading comic books like I did, like, five years ago. Like, um, and the Batman stuff that's come out lately has... As, is what has like that's the large stuff that's made me feel that way like just like a kid again in, in the best possible ways but i've also like the last month particularly has been a real dark time for our country and politics and you know gender equality and, and everything and, and the comic industry it is not immune from that and it's been really crazy for me because in the last month and a half I've been able to get more joy out of comic books than I have been in a long time but I've also been more aware of how like an increase in negativity around them and I keep finding myself like in situations where I feel like I have to argue to be liking a thing and I think that like especially like you know when I began working here that was my biggest strength is just like I fucking love this stuff I got no dog in this fight I just like it because there's nothing cooler than liking a thing Mm -hmm. and uh and it's weird. I feel like this universal increase in uh, criticism and like the Marvel versus DC discussion, or like um, I don't know. It, it's just it's 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 been really weird for me. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to like step aside from those conversations and not be affected by them. But also, it is sort of our role here to try and love things. But uh, yeah, there's but there's there's been an increased uh, like comfort in cynicism and negativity in this town. And I think sort of just the world as a whole lately. But. And I th- I think it, the world has, I mean, looking at Hollywood and looking at the bipartisan politics and stuff, like I think cynicism and anger and some of that stuff is a healthy, accurate response to some of the injustices that have gone on. Mm-hmm. Like I think we need to fucking put heads on pikes in Hollywood. We yeah. need to address the systematic, like, complete destruction of the feminine spirit in hollywood it's a cult i mean i've been saying that for a while like hollywood is a systematic cult to like destroy the feminine essence and that's my own like mythopoetic bullshit of way of describing it but it is it is like a a complete and like racially but anyway i think there's a focus that like all we can all we have to do is yell and bitch and moan about things to get the world to change and i don't think that's exactly true and i think we have a huge emphasis on destruction right now in comics is something that can be anything. And so we're also trying to like make everything the highest caliber version of it. But the reason why comics are amazing is because it's anything. It's a trash medium. It was originally a thing. I mean like, but it's allowed to be, and that's why it's great. And you you spend four 99 on a magazine of people. Yeah. An issue of people. And then when you're done reading it, you throw it away. Comics cost less than that. And yet we like put them in bags and boards and need it to be the best thing in the world. Yeah. And I get that. Like, yes, you know, it's good to have different creators working in comics. It isn't just a white male medium. It shouldn't be. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And there needs to be a lot of like destructive force taken to comics, destroying old false idols and recreating it. But it also doesn't have to be high caliber art. 
and it because it can be doesn't mean that it always should be. You know, I used to think that all comics should be Alan Moore comics, mm-hmm. but then I would never be able to enjoy anything else. <laughs> you know, like I used Alan. to just, Alan Moore. I used to want everything to be The Watchmen, mm-hmm. all super, but that's not what they are, mm-hmm. and they don't need to be. And that was a huge letting go. It's like comics isn't everything medium. You know, they can be the high. They can soar the highest highs, but they can also be just frivolous fun and that's okay and i think we need to have like a better pivot we should know what we want out of things yeah you know like if you want a big book with social change and utilizing things you can have that but if you want your own you know wish fulfillment fantasy there's also that there and everyone deserves to have it and everyone like that's the everyone deserves it and i guess if this goes up if this is a podcast that goes out if anyone is listening to this i guess i would just like really challenge people to like something like just go out and like a thing if you didn't think you were going to like it just try and like it if if you if you go do this and you see a movie or read a book or read a comic book uh, and you don't love it that's that's great too but like somebody made it that's art like it's somebody made a thing so i would like everyone to try and maybe it encourage people uh that we should you know hopefully see dawn at some point and i think that'll happen by us all trying to like like things again maybe put the the cynical critic in in us away and like a comic book and and yeah i don't care if it's foolish or if you think that maybe other people will be able to not like it like it doesn't matter but like we're in this to like things that's why like that's what life is like it's a joy and joy is a choice that you make you can and that's kind of even just like the the theme of what we're talking about here is like joy is a choice and despair is also a choice and it doesn't feel like it is but it really really is yeah and you don't have to feel like like invalid or something for if you don't like something but okay fine you didn't like it that's fine you don't have to, you know, slam on it and tear it apart. Because like you said, it's somebody created that, that's somebody's baby. Didn't work for you? Fine. Let it go. Well, You don't, you don't have to destroy it. Yeah, everything in its organic place, right? Like yeah. criticism, negativity, those things are incredibly valued and important. Like society wouldn't get better if we weren't like, right. hey, this is injustice. Right. You know, people wouldn't get. Things. Yeah. Exactly. But. There is this, and I think it's a little bit misguided. Like, there's an addiction to that. Mm-hmm. And because if you can talk shit on something or devalue something, it somehow p- positions you above it. In group, out group. You know, yeah. we, like, we, we like to be able to say that there's that's the problem and point to it. And mm-hmm. it makes you feel like you're not a part of it and also that you're helping change it, which is true to an extent. But and yeah, yeah. And healthy critique, intelligent critique. I'm not saying don't do that. Yeah. And I think intelligent critique and like yeah calling books out that suck and do shitty things is good but you you know it's it's a tool that and people with tools can kind of over apply them or over determine things it's really addictive like to criticize is incredibly addictive so to like use that and you end up becoming more of a fan of like destroying things than yeah. enjoying and it's things. an identity yeah it is so like it's good to call shit out and injustice it out in art when needed. But it's also like, when are you suddenly making more and you're out to make enemies rather than enjoy things, you know, like people are so obsessed with critiquing and kind of creating a perfect, you know, whoever said art was supposed to be perfect. Whoever promised you a world unoffended, like you have (laughs) to go out and deal with things and you have to have a tough skin and you're never like, if you're trying to engender a world that's just completely 
soft and fun and good all the time, then you're not living in a real world. Art is meant to be imperfect. Yeah. It's a reflection of us, and we, we shouldn't be that way. So, And if something is imperfect to you or is offensive to you, like, I, I know this is the thing that three of us are on board with, but, like, that's a challenge. Like, yeah. reanalyze why you're offended by it or analyze why you don't like it. And then if somebody around you likes it, try and find what they're doing like try and find why they land it doesn't have to be your thing but a world of closed doors is a lot less fun than a world of open doors yeah yeah that's a terrific point yeah there's yeah there's some a lot of things i think i learn and relearn here at the comics place is is well heck even i'll use the example of not comp so much comic related but knowing jeff and knowing chris clow before him you know, I used to really make fun of WWE and all the professional wrestlers, but knowing those two guys and and Joe Carey too, uh, really kind of opened my eyes. That going, you know, these guys love this, and yeah, they know it's you know this ridiculous high drama Shakespearean drama in a way, and and a lot of it's scripted and there's a lot of fakery to it. But and they're fine with that because they're able to enjoy it because it's just this comic book in the ring these battles between good and evil and and chaos and and it's just fun and it really showed me like yeah why am i being so cynical about this thing yeah it (laughs) it takes like like a i don't know like with art you need to have like your eyes and be able to adjust it to a lower resolution setting like (laughs) yes i can have this high caliber thing but nothing it nothing has to be any certain way so you can down, like you can love WWE, it doesn't mean that you can't love. <laughs> Roman was bringing it up. It doesn't mean you can't love some super serious money out of the till and pay for the yeah, Roman covered. Woo! Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's good to get down with your with your lower self and your higher. Like I think people want to in, create this culture of just like things are good all the time and they need to be. Yeah, and, that, such, and this high, I don't know. Yeah, I think it, it's good to just like what you like. And, and that's such a setup for failure, too. To, yeah. to, it's, like and it's whenever, borderline really sorry. dangerous. It's it kind of eugenic. Like, this world, it, it like things need to be one mono way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, just yeah. the one good way for me, yeah. thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. you it's, know, I've known people that even referring to other people describe, like, their partner or something as, as oh, he's perfect and always makes, I'm inside, I'm always thinking... You know, you need to look at that because nobody's perfect. That you're describing like a quality of a god. That's not yeah. a human being. Yeah. And there, there's you got to look at. If you really truly think that, that's delusional. That's like that line of dialogue in Batman Thirty Five, where um, basically it's Talia and Catwoman arguing, and oh, Talia right. is saying to Catwoman, uh, "This isn't a spoiler. This is a conversation." I heard it on the podcast. Okay, okay, cool. But yeah, <laughs> but just this is the, the stupid the guy that I stupidly love, and <laughs> yeah. like that, like. And she and she says that he's broken. Yeah, he's a broken man. And like that's even our concept of love in this society is is broken because we feel like you have to find the perfect person. Like you feel like you have to find the perfect oh. book and the perfect movie. And it's like, no, your damage should meet their damage. Like yeah, yeah. You have to. It's not about finding a perfect thing. It's about accepting the bad qualities and dealing with it. Like yeah. no life is ever going to be perfect. And we've seen where the world goes if you think you can edge out the bad stuff thousands of people will die if you take that idea far enough you know and Uh, i just i love the idea of like you know everybody struggles with things in their relationships at times and um and 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 you know whether that's your romantic relationships your friendships or your work relationships and it's so awesome like you know you a guy our guy that just needed like some space (laughs) like thank god you got some space but how 
like fucking wonderful to get to see Aaron again after being oh. away from like a month, month and a half. And then like, and just like, that would be very affirming for me just to be like, man, we can get on each other's nerves, but like, I just like being around you and my neuroses and your neuroses. And I'm speaking, you know, <laughs> for my own self in my relationship, but you know, like you can annoy me about anything, but like, Holy shit, the fact that my unconscious self still wants to pick up my phone at 7 and be like, Sam, what are you up to? Because I would really like to just comfortably sit on the couch with you because the world is hard and scary and I need to not feel that. Yeah. I uh, To get back to the thing I said earlier, it came from a point of you don't know the depths of yourself until you you relate to someone else. and. You don't know how much you love a person until you're you're away and you come back. Like seeing my girlfriend Erin was the three minutes of seeing her in the like I saw her driving up. I could recognize the way her shadow was in her car at the airport. I knew exactly where her car was. Like in seeing knowing that presence was there and made all of Spokane worth it. Yeah. Like the things that I've done, it made me feeling like people are really no one is boring. Yeah. <laughs> if you're patient enough, you know, and yeah, people, I don't know where that, yeah, I'm just getting off on like a mushy, I miss my friends and the people around me thing, but it is astounding how much, and I, I think I needed that time in this time and I still do. And there's a lot of work to be done, but, uh, people are so incredibly important and that's like what, and I chose to do it, but like another thing is like, I, I don't have that anymore. I don't have customers that I can you don't you get you're timed at starbucks like yeah. <laughs> your customer interactions are like please them and then go and then next one and it's like i you don't get to meet friends you meet objects you know and you uh so yeah just walking into the store today it just like i was trembling i was like oh my god a place where people can be themselves and talk to it's truly one of the best things there is um yeah there's i mean our relationships with ourselves uh like a wound, you know, sometimes you got to put rubbing alcohol on there to kill a bunch of the bacteria. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, our relation, like our relationships are like that. Uh, and you know, if you're not happy with yourself, you're not going to be able to be happy with anything around you. And I, I, you know, that I, rain cloud will follow you wherever you go. Yeah, if you don't but, look at it. Yeah. And I think you just did the most responsible and really important thing. And, and that you, you know, and that everyone should do, and this isn't unique to you, this is this is life, but, you know, like, going and having a moment of peace and removing all of these things uh, reevaluates, you know, like, uh, grand mal seizures or, like, shock therapy, like, yeah. it reorganizes the brain chemistry. Sometimes we start firing in a weird way, and it's, uh, like... I had to look the Gorgon in the face, yeah, you know, you I had to let myself turn to stone and just deal with it, and... I'm not like, yeah, I'm not saying that I've gotten any better or anything, but I kind of like had to be courageous in myself, you know, to like want the things I want and to like look at myself at look at the shitty things. And that's what Spokane was about is like, I need to learn how to be fucking alone. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to be alone without losing my shit. So I've had to, you know, go bleed out that uncomfortableness and the coming back to Bellingham has been 
It's two hours, but I just, it just feels <laughs> so good. It feels so good to be back. Do you want to go pay your, your meter? Yeah, I, I better okay. go. Yeah, sorry about that. Speaking of which, shout out Trevor Beaker downstairs. Hold down the comics place. Uh, it's it's Friday at 2.20. Uh, he's working alone downstairs so that Justin and Roman and I can run upstairs and have a boy moment because I don't want to. Speaking of shock therapy. Yeah. Do you, th- every time I see Trevor... He's more manlier looking. Oh, Does God. he do like testosterone shock therapy? I think that a big part of when he and Ty got the job was that they've started sharing the sort of steroid testosterone therapy thing yeah. that they've got going. So is like, it like pheromonal though? Like just by being around each other, they are. I think they. I think they do swell. feed off of the swollenness from <laughs> yeah. one another. Um, yeah. His beard is thicker. Oh yeah. His skin is tanner, even oh, though yeah. it's winter. I know. How uh, does he do it? Well, yeah. he lived on a boat. So. Oh, that's right. He, yeah, <laughs> he was working. He brings on the boat. boat with him wherever he goes. <laughs> uh, yeah, those those guys are doing great. Darcy's doing awesome. Braden is just holding shit down. He's, Django's lost his it. mind. Yeah. R.I.P. The Django we all once knew. He's over at Moonbase right now. Miss him. Missing him. I wish that he could be here right now, but this is Justin is is literally here for just a very small amount of time. So. I was like, well, I, we got to record a thing for people to hear with the voice of our fallen saint. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's funny. I was uh, listening to the podcast on the plane last night because, spoilers, I fucking hate airplanes. Mm-hmm. Um, and normally... Have you always? Always. Okay. I uh, liked them as a kid, but I can't do them now. I can't do them. The rattling, the noise... The being in air, mainly. Uh, but normally I get super drunk. It, it, Jeff has facilitated that multiple times for me. Uh, but I instead decided to listen to the podcast because it's like a shotgun of joy. And I was, A, laughing out loud and probably kind of freaking the girl out next to me. But I also was, like, almost, like, lipping and, like, acting out my responses to people's <laughs> thing. And I this discussion has kind of edged its thumb around what i wanted to say about watchmen so i, I oh can you that. please do a do a do a one minute on doomsday clock doomsday clock and as many minutes as you need by one minute i'll maybe? try to do a, a mini buckshot i've only read it twice and okay. it was a while when it first came out and, and any other comic books you have thoughts on that you want to talk about just okay bleed it into there Go uh doomsday clock i initially so watchmen for me was that 14 year you know I'm still suffering from the head trauma of, of the Watchmen. I, I fucking love that book. Uh, a lot of who I am is because of that book. I used to want to get Watchmen tattoos. That's why I am still a curmudgeon uh, who loves Alan Moore, regardless of his blatant, you know, shitty things he says. I'll turn a blind eye. But I love... So, initially, like, before Watchmen, besides the Dar- Darwin Cook stuff, I really was... And, you know, that ego value of just being on a, ba- a bandwagon against something, I was loving it, you know? <laughs> I, was, I loved hating on before Watchmen. But I also legitimately thought that it was fucked up. And, you know, as, a gal- like, a 20-year-old who can galvanize who he is by the things he dislikes, uh, really hated it. So, I want... But, like... A hangover from that was I was prepared to hate Doomsday mm-hmm. Clock, especially because Jeff Johns um, is kind of the anti-Alan Moore in a yeah. way. Uh, yeah, I think of him as sort of a Michael Bay type. <laughs> yeah, and you saying that at the pod on the podcast that I listened to totally clicked. But when we were um, talking, and when we first saw the announcement upstairs on a Tuesday, and I said that you know it's going to be Superman and uh, Doctor Manhattan punching it out in space. 
that wasn't like so much a literal map that I was trying to say, but like a metaphorical one is like, so the Watchmen is super dialogue, super plot driven. It's pretty intricate. A lot of it is about the narrative, the structure, the nine panel grid Mm -hmm. and stuff. And I was trying to say that like Jeff Johns is the most in your face. And I mean, I still like him. He's great. You know, he's the kind of the opposite polar light that Alan Moore like he he is that lantern against the shadow that yeah. Alan Moore has casted on <laughs> the industry, but I was kind of saying they're going to handle it in the least Watchmen way. It's a corporate move from yeah. like up high in DC, and we're going to get this materialistic version of Watchmen where it's yeah. bombastic, huge, verbose, trying to emulate. But anyway, the way that they've reading it, I real really like is it's almost like Jeff Johns writing it is part of the narrative, the meta narrative, like. The whole thing is about the shadow that cynicism casted on the world and that Watchmen is maybe this, like, primordial place that makes the world shitty. You know, like, that's where the world, our world, Watchmen world, it seems like that's where shit, when things can, Murphy's Law, Murphy's Law, (laughs) like, everything goes wrong in that world. And it's, it's like the world embodiment of of a way of looking at the world. Yeah. It's like, that's the world that somebody who looks at the world that way lives in. Yeah. And so, like, Jeff Johns being this, like, you know, he's a fucking bicep of a man. You know, like, he writes like a bicep. I don't know. Like, he's... He just writes in a big, bright, superhero, colorful, bombastic. That almost feels like a perfect opposite of Watchmen. And, like, what DC, the DC Universe is trying to do is kind of undo that. And a lot of, you know, DC kind of became the dark guys. Like, when you hear about people talking about Marvel and DC from the uninitiated who's lives it every day at a comic book store. They're like, Oh, DC's the the darker one, you know, and they're trying to undo that. So I realized that like having Jeff Johns do it and making it really dark. And I mean, this, this comic was pretty dark. It almost feels like a meta commentary. Like they're, I don't know. They're just playing to their strengths in a really interesting way. Jeff Johns is writing it. They're working in superheroes that are like, I don't know. Alan Moore was trying to destroy the superhero, and now they're using Alan Moore's work to build up the superhero. And at the time, Alan Moore needed to destroy those idols because we were, our world was our real life. The real mm-hmm. world was needing a destruction of the idols. But yeah. now I think we're in that world. Right. We're in the yeah, fucking Watchmen world. world. You yeah. know? Yeah. We're, we thought Reagan was bad in the '80s, but no. This is... No. <laughs> I mean, we're we're you know do your own geopolitical analysis. I'm just an idiot who reads on the internet too much. But we're in a, in my opinion, a pre-totalitarian world and a country, a state, political reality. And so I think we need the DC, and this is like, you know, just subjective, but I think we need some kind of new idol. Like in 2017, uh, this feels like a response to what's going on. And I think we need the building. Like, so Alan Moore tore it down, you know, tore down the, the modern American mythology of superheroes, but like we're aimless without it. Look at it. We, we have nowhere to go. Look at our, what we have for leadership. Yeah. You know, our, what we look to as an idol, like Donald Trump, you know, uh, Hollywood celebrities became the new royalty and look at them all. Like, look at what is happening, you know, and also the male archetype. We're learning how corrupt men can be in positions of power. So we're we're needing to relook at how we define power and leadership. And The Watchmen was the kind of the book that used our mythology, which is superheroes as Americans, to destroy it. 
And now I think we need to build it back up. And Jeff Johns is a guy to do that. So I think there's almost this meta way of like, okay, let's get the bright bombastic superhero guy to write a superhero story in this dark world. So seeing Clark like have his first nightmare essentially as a full grown adult was like, holy shit, things are real. Like if Superman's having nightmares and it's a world, not much different than our own. Sure. There's superheroes in it, but the political climate in that book and doomsday clock is as grim as our world. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, it's dramatized, but I, I was seeing a lot of like, uh, it's in 92, but I was seeing a lot of, uh, parallels to our current state in administration. Um, so, and as far as like protecting Alan Moore, if you don't, he decided to work with DC. Mm-hmm. Like he bitches now, but it was work for hire. Right. You know, you right. were, he was kind of manipulated, but you're going into a, it's a capitalistic medium. You know, it's, it's, don't chum the waters and expect <laughs> not to get sharks. Don't play ball with demons and expect not to get fucked over, you know? So he's just being a little too precious for someone who claims that he hates superheroes. The one thing he's so pissed off about is his superhero book, which I think is kind of ironic. Yeah, and I've never believed, despite what he said, that Alan Moore actually hates superheroes. He hates, I think he hated, and I shouldn't be speaking for anybody, but um, the way I interpreted it is I think think he hates what happened with that, and that soured his opinion on, you know, the corporate corporatization of superheroes, yeah, that kind of thing. He hates that, but I, I mean, he I loves. He still loves Jack down. Kirby. I mean, yeah, I mean, he after he said all that, or I don't know when he said it exactly, but you know, later on, he went on to do America's Best, mm-hmm. all, all the things he loved about superheroes and Tom Strong, which DC's also bringing that back now too. Oh, are they? I but haven't seen that. The Strong Family is going to be what the that new comic, the Terrifics. Mr. Oh Terrific, yeah, Plastic Man, Phantom Girl. They're going to be questing, trying to find Tom's, the Strong family. Wow, I really like Tom Strong, so that's... <laughs> yeah, which I yeah. think is pretty awesome. I think DC is doing... Yeah, you do. Yeah, and... I and think DC is being courageous and maybe a little sacrilegious amongst their, you know, their crossing boundaries that they yeah. said they wouldn't, but, I mean, they were going to fall apart if not. Yeah, you know, they're, some, they're, yeah. And what do we want? Like, we've been bitching for forever that comics aren't risky. You know, like, DC wasn't taking risks. The New 52 is kind of this homogenized version of what we've had before you know so they're doing risky things and good for it yeah Yeah. i think it's pretty spectacular and i mean just doing the doomsday clock finally which and even the things like the terrifics where you got plastic man and mr terrific like earth 2 plastic man and phantom girl from the legion of superheroes what what are they all doing together It's, Mm -hmm. it's all intriguing stuff but what you were saying about uh jeff johns and he's had this idea percolating for a while and i really appreciate the fact that he's Things gelled, and he put it on the back burner, that kind of stuff, and everything gelled, including the American political climate and everything. And now's the perfect time to, to do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping, I mean, who knows, but what I expect to see at the end of it all, I mean, in my head, I'm seeing like a nine-panel grid page, and one of the panels, Dr. Manhattan, either Superman's there with him in, in on that page, or after he's left, Superman and then Dr. Manhattan being like, huh. Hope, huh? Yeah. Considering this, and I'm really excited to see how Johns is going to get us to that moment with Doctor Manhattan. So, um, the thing, kind of going off that, the thing that I love the most about the Watchmen is Doctor Manhattan's story, um, and I think it could be interpreted by people who know me as some like obsession with on- omnipotence or something, you know. <laughs> uh, but I really love that 
his character struck me so much is like, so John is a human and father of a clockmaker, which God was conceptualized years ago and mythologically as a clockmaker, someone who knows all these things and sees things in a materialistic way. And you see, and, you know, getting all comparative mythology wise, like the most basic earliest conception of a human God is something completely impersonal something that's enable of loving and incapable of. And a lot of the times you find it. Yeah. (laughs) You find a trickster spirit. That's like a mediation. Like he's a creation of God. And this is where Satan kind of has been changed and, you know, through years changed. But originally like Lucifer, that idea is like a more human character that you can interact with. And he's the messenger between the two. But God is this completely inhuman, unknowable thing. So why would it ever care about you? Which makes sense because the universe largely doesn't give a fuck about what you're doing. So you see John, the more God-like, the more he uses his powers, the more like brilliant in miracles he works, the more unhuman he becomes. And that's like kind of his progression through the world. And that's why he leaves the world is he can no longer relate to it. And he can, but the most beautiful thing about the Watchmen to me, and everyone, like, you know, I've talked about, like, it's one of my favorite books, but Silk Spectre is my favorite character um, in that book. And the moment on Mars when they talk, and he's been just building these amazing symmetrical, geometrical space god things, but what's more beautiful is a human mistake. Mm -hmm. And the fact that, coming back to what we were saying, is that mistakes and the phenomenon of life and tragedy and all those things can be bold and still be beautiful to someone who doesn't even feel it anymore. I love that so much. Um, and I think now they're using him as this impersonalized God. Cause that's like, he couldn't help it at that point. He was gone. He left the world. So I think it'll be cool. Superheroes are these like imperfect, goofy, crazy things at times, but they're also the most profound things at times. That's why as much as indie books I like to read, I still love like a, de- uh, a de- deconstructed superhero story still jives with my brain yeah. the best because I think superheroes can be the most symbolic thing. And so I think, and I, I imagine like what you said, I think we're going to slowly watch the rehumanization of God mm. and the rehumanization of superheroes and the, the they're allowed to be goofy at times and they're allowed to not make sense. They don't need to be high art. They're meant to be, something that inspires hope. And that's why I think superhero is going to, or Superman, excuse me, is going to be a kind of the central character in his, and he's godlike too, but he's, he's valuable and broken. He's very human. Yeah. And seeing parents, his parallel with Dr. Manhattan is what I'm most excited about. And Superman, I mean, Jeff, you and I, we all love Superman and most people shit on him. But when you emphasize the human in Superman is why he's great. And that's what they were kind of showing with, Dr. Manhattan is you can't have a human Superman, you know, and he has to be this impersonal thing. Cause if you're God, you can't, you know, the universe doesn't work that way, but humans are meant, humans are flawed creatures and you have to love those things. So I think like, yes, he can be a human and that's his strength. It's not his powers. Yeah. It's, it's the fact that he's valuable still. Yeah. And, and, and he always points that out. Mm-hmm. When, when characters are pointing out that, oh, you're like God, what do you care? You can't relate. Even even the fact in Doomsday Clock, when we first see him, the most, you know, one of the most human things, he's in bed having a nightmare next to his wife, his partner. And, <laughs> and that is just as painful 
as figuring out there's a nuclear bomb inside the middle of the earth and you have to fly it. You know, like that is yeah. just as scary because he's just as human. Nightmares are scary. Yeah. And being able to take solace with your partner and work yeah. through it is just as a vivid and powerful moment as, you know, throwing a Death Star into, you know, yeah. some, you know, whatever giant, gigantic thing that Superman does, a nightmare can still affect him. So yeah. I you, really think the placement of Doomsday Clock is an absolute work of genius yeah. and like what they're doing with it and the fact that there i do believe there's a case to be made that there's quite a meta thing going on with it I is think so yeah is boy just as a little humorous aside one thing that occurred to me second time i read that during that sequence was like you know superman has a nightwear a, a night a nightwear <laughs> if, and like he, what if he like freaks out and, and like boom <laughs> What was his dead? What? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Okay. Well, that's what I loved in that. <laughs> I'm back. Um, <laughs> I was Jeff. just gone. Um, in that Black Bolt issue, um, it oh, yeah. deals with that. Like, he has nightmares, but he's never allowed himself to acknowledge nightmares because he's afraid that he'll scream in his sleep and destroy everyone around him. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, who do you think? Um, it's all part of this pr- the process of, of Doomsday Clock, um, the, the story, the narrative, coming up. I wonder what, uh, like, Trickster figures. I mean, obviously, kind of the Joker will be used that way, or, or Punch and Julie and yeah. Joker Harley. But I wonder what, what other ones will be coming along to kind of get us to that point of hu- rehumanizing Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. Um, so, Jeff, you were gone, and I was just... I was just stepped out. I, I had to help a customer downstairs, yeah. I was just flapping my tongue. Good. Uh, you Beautifully know, flopping. Uh, analy- mythologically analyzing the Watchmen um, and talking about, you know, the, the idea of an impersonal God and John's journey to an impersonal God, but kind of having that last moment of realizing that all the miracles he creates is not even as closely as brilliant as a human mistake. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think with Jeff Johns writing this and he's kind of this, like, lighthearted thing, we're returning bringing kind of emphasizing the humanity in this and that superheroes are meant to be kind of this, these foolish flawed, but beautiful things. And back in the day, Alan Moore destroyed the superhero as the modern mythology because it was corrupt or whatever. But our world is so corrupt. I think (laughs) that the doomsday clock, we need to bring superheroes back. Look at our models for leadership. And what model? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Celebrities. And like, we have no heroes anymore. Yeah. You know, Hollywood, like, like I was telling Roman celebrities were new royalty. And now look, I mean, it it always has been how fucked that, you know, and we don't have a model like of a leadership or any, any kind of guiding moral compass. So, and superheroes, are straight up like a continuation of mythology and the watchman was, you know, it's a, these are stories to learn from and to think upon and think with. So I think we're going to see kind of superheroes coming back to their, and that's like this whole kind of mantra of the rebirth. And this story is kind of emphasizing that. And that's why I was blown away is like, it's dark and it's gritty, but we're going to Superman's there and hope is allowed. And it's okay because these goofy things we call superheroes in costumes can still mean so much. Well, and that's like, you just, you know, cut back in time a handful of years, but like that's, I think, one of the guiding things that you and I kind of became friends over is this like real shared 
love, and it's one of the things that I think we both really are attracted to Roman about because he, I don't feel like has ever abandoned it, but like <laughs> I, uh, like Grant Morrison, we love the theory that like, there's nothing cooler than being a good person. Yeah. And like to all those people who say that Superman is boring, like he's a, he's a good guy. Like what's yeah. better than being a good guy? And absolutely like these, these ambulites of positivity and like actual role models can only exist in fiction. Like you yeah. can only have a perfect person in fiction. And, and yeah, like the celebrity machine, um, you know, wants us to believe that these are real people and they're perfect and you can be one too. But it's like, we're all flawed. Like, yeah. and, and we all need these fiction. That's that sort of like, like a thing. Yeah. Love it. Like, you know, like <laughs> embrace childhood optimism and excitement. Because we are, just like you said, living in the shadow of Alan Moore and Frank Miller's, you know, mid 80s destroy the positivity because it's more interesting to be negative. But and like, just like, there was a lot of corruption and stuff, and destroying that idol and tearing it down was incredibly important to kind of understand us as individuals and to understand that idols can be used incorrectly. But that doesn't mean you go without an idol. Like, right. just because you can't be Superman or you can't be this, like, unknowable, brilliant light doesn't mean that it's not a good thing to point towards. It doesn't yeah. mean you yeah. shouldn't yeah. ask yourself, what would Superman do? Yeah. 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 Even yeah. if you are just a trickle-down reflection of it, at least you're embodying your version of good, yeah. you know? Um, so I think the doomsday clock, the way our world is now, is... And one day, I'll have a blog and I'll talk about this, <laughs> but uh, I think that this, and this is going to sound crazy, is... The Doomsday Clock, Watchmen, our culture, our political climate is mythologically significant. I think it's archetypically significant to our world. And we're going to, through this story, not that a comic book is going to fucking change the world. But, but I think that's, we, that's what art does. There's yeah. nothing closer to being able to do that than art, in yeah. my mind. I think we'll kind of watch. And as I think there's something in our collective psyche where we're working through this, like, people don't do good with power. Yeah. That's and serious. power is not good. And leaders aren't good because they're powerful people. So we need to start realizing, but we still need idols. Like there's also like this myth of like scientific humanism that like we can just abandon religion and abandon myth and abandon story and just live in this scientific cold calculating utopia. But we're like, like humans can't live without story and without idol no. and without projecting yeah. ourselves on the earliest that's thing that we've done. Yeah. <laughs> like you cannot live without that. So we need, and because idols are corrupt and they can be corrupted and good on Frank Miller and DC and destroying that, but that does, we still need one. Mm -hmm. So I think we're going to be through the story slowly realizing that we're, we still need an idol and maybe they have to be destroyed periodically. It's a rebirth I, I cycle, think so. you yeah. know, and, but we need a new one. We can't live like, look where we are in the world, in the real fucking world. We have no one to look to or look up to or to be guided. So it's the extreme instance of that complaint. I hear from people all the time, which is like, I really like Batman. I don't really like Superman. He's boring. And it's like our culture is the extreme embodiment of that. We are bored by the concept of humanity being a superpower. Yeah. And be, like, we want flaws being to be good. miserable in mm -hmm. some regard, like because it's interesting in a mm -hmm. certain way. It's you know like you and I, like in, in Roman, you know, like we maybe part of us unfortunately loves to be unhappy yeah. and we want to fix oh, that. Yeah. But we like to endlessly ask that question, and that's what misery provides. But you know, Superman exists for a reason. Yeah, you know, yeah. he was created for a reason. Yeah, and I think part of um, I mean, the point of deconstruction isn't, or at least shouldn't be, with, with really good 
creators, um, isn't simply to destroy, but to destroy in order to to point out the core, the core meanings of these things that you're deconstructing and bring that to the, the surface again and go, look, this is really valuable. We shouldn't be ignoring this or, you know, diluting this. Yeah, the mistake isn't the destruction. It's thinking that that's the end result. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just destroy it and move result. on, and we'll just go to this human... Like it's this, interesting you yeah. destroy things. Yeah. So. yeah. In, this, a, in a narrative way, the whole... The way our culture, and just speaking of American culture, but is, you know, all the uh, sexual uh, sexual abuses of power in Hollywood and everything, and in the culture, how that's all coming to the forefront now being talked about and everything in a way it's it's like a narrative deconstruction that will hopefully lead to a better place well, that's, for everybody in well, the future i read this article by t- uh, little thing by tom hanks where he was he didn't say it in those ways but he was saying you know this is hopefully all going to lead to a better place for everybody i this directly what i'm getting at is yeah. like the destruction of idols in hollywood the sexual scandals the calling out the deconstruction of the way yeah and political power systems work is like what we're experiencing now isn't just american central it isn't just in fiction it's like it's a collective movement in humanity's psyche we are dealing with a new reality where power like empire power does not work we need to figure out a new model so you you've you've played pokemon red and blue oh yeah um (laughs) Man, it, it is so much that, like, the concept of celebrity and this, the concept of political power or fame or artistic, you know, success, or Hollywood, you know, is, is to me, it's like when you're in Silfco and, and, and Saffron City, okay. and you got to go through, and Team Rock has taken over the, the whole hideout, and there's just trainers left and right, and there's all these great hidden items and all these little rooms, and you ultimately have to try and find this card key that one of the Team Rockets has, and as soon as you get this card key, you can open up every door in Silfco to find all these items, and to me, that's what like fame feels like, it, 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 or Hollywood is this thing of like you finally get the the card key and Silfco, <laughs> and and it allows you into all these like secret rooms and all this horrible shit ultimately, and. And, and yeah, I hope that this conversation, not this one, but the larger one we're having in, in America and the world right now, ultimately will hopefully take that power out of, like, hopefully Hollywood and celebrity and fame and power won't be a thing that allows you checks and balances, you know? It, it yeah. doesn't allow you to just get away with all of it. Um, yeah, I had another thought. I forgot it. <laughs> I think we just, yeah, I think we need to take power out of the equation and look more towards agency or freedom like it's not about creating a perfect world it's about uh building a little shire that's good enough in amongst the storm and although so i mean like this is all just like really really to me it all has a lot to do with um how horribly sexualized everything is like i just saw a movie at the theater the other day daddy's home too and it was just like the most sexualizing of children i've seen in a movie and i was like walked out totally offended but like why i won't watch stranger things too is it seems like just a complete sexualization of the child psyche but even just like you go to like fucking hagen and you're hanging out there and every magazine on the rack is like an almost naked person or like all of the sex secrets that you need and like everything secretly is like putting nudity and sexuality into a thing to make you like it more and but at the same time our culture tells you you're not supposed to well yeah kind of well yeah so (laughs) then it it creates this double-edged thing of you wanting it 
and then feeling you need to keep it a secret. Yeah, so exactly. Secretly doing things. It's fucking gross. It's, it's gross and terrible. And like we've yeah. created, we've idolized sexuality. We've just like everything is so much more porn now than it was 30 years ago. Like mm-hmm. everything. Like, you know, the news is porn like it's just like the number of like things on my news app of just like 29 year old teacher has sex with 17 year old in parking it's like all the time you're just like okay like i i don't know like yeah we need to talk the media is pornographic president was like on tape found you know proved to be like grabbing women by you Mm -hmm. know by by their and and that didn't destroy him yeah that didn't like no. It didn't even slow him down. And we all know that now. And it's like, it's okay somehow. And it's not. And people say it's not, but it didn't affect him at all. But well, I mean, he's working that infamy angle. He's he's yeah. working that love to be hated kind of thing. That mm. that came out on purpose, my friend. I think he, yeah. he's playing that flute pretty hard. Which yeah, he's... You love a villain, and he can galvanize the assholes pretty see, well. Yeah, yeah see, I, I just have a hard time thinking he's smart enough to do that. But he has people he pays to figure that out for him. <laughs> so, so, Justin. Yeah. One to ten me doomsday clock. I'm not sure if that happened while I was downstairs. No, no, no. no. Okay. Uh, for me, a ten. Nice. Yeah. That's real. That's good to hear. Um, have there been other things in your life? Because I know you got to go check into an Airbnb here in a minute. Oh, right. Um, <laughs> have there, have, is there anything else that you've loved in the last couple months that we can share with the people? Anything good? Anything that? Anything else? Comic book? Movie? Music? Anything that you've latched onto? Um, gosh. I mean, I'm still just reading my own lonely book game. So there's like some books that no one would know. Or don't care about that I read that are... But Wildstorm, that... Is it issue seven? I can't remember what they're up to now. The But the most recent issue was like mostly a fight one, and the one before that had a lot of answers about aliens and you know races being held over and how these people got to Earth and whatnot. Yeah, that... Um, in the context of also like the therapeutic... Like, so they're taking this proxy for ayahuasca and like this control of our ability to explore our own consciousness and just like there's kind of this weird timeless sect of shamans or therapists Mm -hmm. you know and i think intentionally the the white male there looked so much like carl Jung, and so yeah yeah, so i think it was a a lot a kind of a discussion about how our consciousness is taken away from us there was, I feel like there, when I did see you in Spokane a while ago, there was a show that you'd maybe been watching. Oh, I was watching Man in High Castle. Okay, cool. Which, uh, speaking oh. of pornography, that is like uh, suspicion pornography. Is it? <laughs> yeah, if anyone has any like, uh, you know. Conspiracy suspe- porn. Yeah, it's like if anyone has, and Jeff knows this, uh, a tendency towards not trusting authority, that show is porn for those people. <laughs> for the people with a... Uh, oppositional defiance disorder that is porn like i'm just like oh yeah i don't trust you i don't trust you i'm gonna figure it out it's it's a inspires you to create crazy nets i uh and i've heard that this happens with a lot of people but after season one and you you're done with it you don't really want to do season two Uh because it's like exhausting to like not trust anybody and to empathize with everybody is there much of closure at the end of season one no. Is no, it, no. It's just like... They just blow the fucking gates off, okay, and you're and like, oh, shit's going to get more crazy. Did you go further in it? No. Okay. No, I'm, I I want to, and I enjoyed the ride, but it's tiring. Like it's, it's, It sounds emotionally exhausting. It's, I watched it's, the first like kind of oversized episode, and I was like, woof. Woof. Yeah. Philip K. Dick is fucking 
amazing. He's a visionary, but you don't want to, no one reads two Philip K or shouldn't read two Philip K Dick books back to back or something. Like <laughs> it inspired, like he's kind of saying like paranoia sucks, but you should love it. Like, <laughs> you know, we're all trying to put our mind out there and get you in it, you know, and his is like a product of paranoia. Everything he has ever written is some paranoid, paranoia fantasy in some way. And that show does a really good job of getting you in it and that shit is addictive like i was semi-conspiratorial when i was like in my teens and i told myself no like yeah i gotta go back to being like a boring believe it all person and i think the truth lives between but i have a tendency to distrust things so i mean i feel we're all trying to work toward ideally we're all working towards the center of something like every time we believe something there is a counterpoint yeah and probably truth is somewhere between what you believe and the counterpoint you know and and i i I hope that all people have that in mind a little bit because uh yeah being on a side is is good but uh being willing to try and find what's what's on the other side is i think really important what what do you, what do you think i don't i don't know it's it's about it's about three now um i ho- i don't know what's gonna happen with this i don't know if we're gonna put this online or what this is mostly a frantic like holy <laughs> shit justin is here i gotta talk to yeah. him and roman then show we, we, got, we gotta put it up it's, yeah we'll we'll people definitely want to hear you put it up but i would love Could be like an epilogue or something <laughs> yeah 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 uh well no it's gonna be its own special yeah. thing for sure yeah. um and yeah i don't know what'll happen justin's just here for a day and a half a two days yeah. but uh if if we can somehow get uh everybody in a room to record a thing that would be awesome if this is all you guys get this is all you guys get i hope that everybody that listens to this gets to see justin at some point but if not the whole town if it feels like a little bit warmer happier place for the next couple of days it's because justin's been floating around Uh, (laughs) expectations that justin aura is permeating bellingham um yeah so i'm here with the plan to have no plans but i big mama's in town so (laughs) mama bear's here so i'll you know be blipping around here and there virtual justin but um aaron's taking a little bit longer cool so we can get off the mic now and continue to do something else transition but uh is there an ending note we can end on i'm just curious Speaking of Phil K. Dick, did you see Blade Runner 2012 or whatever it's called? 49? No, that was uh, in my abyss of, like, not having a job. Oh, right. And only having the money that I saved from working here, Hmm. which, like, 90% of it was towards my first two months of rent. So I was, like, barely surviving. Um, So a movie was completely out of the picture. But I do really want to see it. and. Yeah, I do too. I haven't the, seen it yet either. But it's, I think I saw on Amazon you can pre-order it, or you can. Really? It may even be available on video in a couple of weeks. Mm, like I think I in December. Still it, in those theaters. things are like. Yeah. I, I feel like days. I need to see it on the big screen, but I don't even know if it's still. Yeah. Playing. Three hours right is now. a big commitment for someone with a bladder like mine. Yeah, and there's been. Oh, yeah. buddy. Raiden just walked oh, in the room because he got here for work. Hey there, Raiden, baby. take a sit on one of these mics here. Oh, let me get this first. Oh, long time to see, buddy. Yeah. How you doing? Oh, we were huh. just wrapping it up, but we're gonna add you know, just a couple minutes here because oh, mostly yeah. this is just an audio recording of people getting to be around Justin again for the first yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so heartwarming uh, <laughs> and enlightening to be in the presence of this great <laughs> mind again. Can I ask you a question, Brandon? Oh yes. Last I saw you, I dropped you off at a stormy 
uh, apartment mm-hmm. complex, and your your plans were to watch cartoons on your phone in a bathroom. How did uh, that go? Was that right before that amazing internet photo? Uh, was shortly after that. Okay. The next day. Which I, if it's the one I think you're talking about, it's it amazing. Yeah. I didn't have to hide myself in the bathroom as long as I thought. Okay. I did did you play magic? Though. No. Oh, okay. No. I thought maybe you cleaned house and shut them all up. No, I made my brother go to Walmart and buy me a sleeping bag. Nah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. We. I dropped him off in Airway Heights. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Living huh. that casino lifestyle. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's good. Oh man. What have you guys been talking about? He just catching up, decompressing. We did. Uh, he did a hot minute on Doomsday Clock, and Ooh, then yeah. I disappeared I for about feelings, yeah. ten minutes to go help a customer, and uh, and came back up, and we're just sort of wrapping up now. Yeah, we were just bullshit, really. Yeah, not a lot of structure. There's oh, not yeah. going to be a lot of editing oh, yeah. here. This is this will be on our comment or our podcast feed, but it's not an official episode, and I hope that nobody judges us for going over a perceived time limit or for uh talking not concisely about stuff listen <laughs> it's like a bullshit buckshot yeah <laughs> this is just an hour it's jazz time we're going wherever we want to go <laughs> yeah well which is for me uh food yeah oh yeah, yeah. gotta have that food gotta get that nutrition mm. what time are you off Braden? um i'm off at like eight but cool. we'll, we'll see you're working that that long shift sure, sure. are you closing no, Ty's closing. But uh, we're 10 o'clock, boys. Oh, right? that's right. It's oh, that yeah. day. Oh, yeah. Um, let me tell you one thing, though. I am in the middle of uh, Dragon Ball Super Volume 2. Just nice. wrapping up that tournament, and it's pretty great. Yeah. Are, they jump into the tournament on Volume 2? That's yeah. Volume 1. They, oh, they, they start the tournament really. in Volume 1. Don't you have to watch like a season of show to get it's to the 26 tournament? 26 oh, episodes yeah. in the first volume. Oh wow! And, like, the they condense volume. a lot. Yeah, good. And good. then like, well, they stretch a lot in the show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then volume two goes into like Future Trunks and Goku Black. Oh, okay, for the second wait, half of it. Wait. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I guess I guess we'll end this thing. Uh, it's conveniently uh, right about where a normal podcast would be ending time wise. Well, edited down. That's usually like a three hour thing cut yeah. down. So everyone, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> but uh, Justin, I'm not gonna. It's so good to see you. It's I love you. Here, I cannot. I cannot wait to have uh, a couple more meetings with you in the next two days. Um, you're the, you know, one of the best things that this store has ever been involved with. Your legacy lives on far beyond you. Everyone loves you. I love you more than you know a brother. You're the you're the sweetest guy I know. So thank God you're back, and thanks for letting us talk to you. Um, going off that, this store is, and especially with the awareness of leaving it is the best thing that i've ever done i said that on the my goodbye podcast but i want to reiterate that and if anyone is around needs to shop i'm going to try to be floating in here as much as i can this will be my meeting space with anyone that i need to see and this will be kind of my haunting the place i'm going to haunt for the weekend so i think i hope to see anybody that is i think this is a real quick edit so i might even be able to get it up tonight but it will be out of context because yeah. we all did our favorite, like what we're going to do with Justin on our dream day in the intro for the podcast that we did two days ago that will then come up after. So we'll see you
you are.